Hello, my name's David and this is the Hypothetical RL, a podcast about the what-ifs of rugby league history. Joining me on the line is Rob from the Westlife podcast. How are you, Rob? Good, David. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, That's all right. And uh, we're going to be talking about a, a very interesting um, hypothetical for this one, um, something that I think most people probably want me to talk about, and it's it's about a, well, it's about a particular part, but it's about the 1989 Grand Final. Um, so... I don't know much about you, but uh, uh, like, sort of, how how old were you when the '89 Grand Final happened? Okay, that's giving too much away. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I I was almost 24 at the time. Um, okay. I was a lifelong uh, Balmain fan. Uh, my my dad was just a fanatical Balmain fan, and, and got very close. Uh, we, you know, within the club was was great mates with a lot of the current, you know the players back in the late '70s and early '80s, mm-hmm. um, and was probably you know Keith Barnes' best mate. Um, unfortunately, at the time of when he passed away in 1983, he was actually uh, looking to join the board, and he had the numbers to join the board. And unfortunately, he fell ill with cancer, and um, yeah, didn't make it past uh, June 1983. So, um, yeah, like football was our common love, and, and Dad was just like an absolute diehard Balmain fan. Like he he loved it like a religion, and uh, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, David, but I, I followed him, I followed him the same path. No, look, it's it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing to have something that you're that passionate about. And obviously, you know, we've all everyone listening to this podcast has got similar sort of things about their own their own clubs and why they support who they support. Um, and it's great to to get a Balmain fan on here. Um, I've said it many times before. I'm a Parramatta fan, but my second team is Balmain because my grandfather loved them, um, and he loved Gary Jack, who uh, who obviously is in the 1989 Grand Final. Um, yep. And you know, like a we we lost him in in eighty seven, so like two years yeah. before this grand final as well. So not exactly the same thing. Obviously, he wasn't going for a board position. Uh, no, but... no. Oh no, that that just from like came from you know dad being really good mates and having drinks with footy players and you know literally going to the club every second afternoon as he did back in the day. And then he he got in like you know started you know a lot of the players would come to our place and so we got to know him you know quite well. And dad had played golf a lot and you know mm. with him and and I was lucky enough as a kid to get to play golf with quite a few of the players at the time so yeah it was uh it was good it was good times that's great well before we get too much further on to to 89 and, and everything that's happened um i might just see if you want to i I'm, I'm presuming that anyone who's a west tigers fan who listens to my podcast already probably listens to your podcast anyway um but do you want to give it a little bit of a plug just in case there is the rogue person yeah, who doesn't know about you. Yeah, we're, we've been getting great numbers the last year. So the, the, pod, uh, the podcast is called Westlife Podcast. Um, it's run by Josh Barnett, mm-hmm. um, Shane Calder and, and myself are co-hosts. And I think Josh has been doing it for quite a few years, but I, can't, I became a regular um, from the start of last year because he'd actually got me on the year before for a couple of what, what he called vent pods. Mm-hmm. And uh, the vent pods went pretty viral when I was on there, so he got quite he got quite a few numbers. There's, goes, there's nothing goes, like a there's nothing like a bunch of Tigers fans inventing. I think it's um I think it's definitely something that uh, we we've all witnessed. From yeah, well, and, and I think it just it just gets worse and worse because as you know, it's been now ten years since we made the finals, and yeah. and it's just crazy. Like you know, I've just read in the last you know twenty four hours we've hit eighteen thousand members, which is which is a record, and 
it's ridiculous, you know, like because we've had no success and we haven't had the the greatest front office in the world and what have you. But you know, we're we're a stubborn bunch and we love our footy and you know we're all we're from two sides, obviously from the West Magpies and the Balmain Tigers, and mm. that always creates a, enough <laughs> problems within the yep. supporter base as it is. But you know, like the, the West Tigers have been around for twenty or well, nearly twenty two years now, so you know I think you know it's time to sort of move on from that. As much as I love Balmain and and this is the one moment that I wish I could have changed. Um, mm. You know, we've just got to embrace West Tigers as a group and and just get on with it. Yeah, well, then that's fine. Look, I th- I fully support that, and I think that um, I think you're getting to the point now where generation generationally you're going to start getting actual West Tigers young supporters. You know what I mean? Like it's you've been around for long enough that that's what should be happening now. And I probably Certainly. I think it is. Like, and I think eventually it's gonna. It's going to, you know, you stick with it and it'll be fine. And then it'll be just a little footnote in the history of the West Tigers that they were once two different yeah, clubs. Well, I, I hope so. The, the thing, the, my big beef with the club is I think they pander to both sides mm. and they've really just got to, you know, be smart about, like I said, I'm a Balmain fan, but, you know, I, I think our future's in the MacArthur area. I think the majority, if not all our home games, should be at Campbelltown as much as I love Leichhardt, like, you know, I like like arts just like church to me. You know what I mean. So yep. you just got you just got to be a realist and like, where's the future? Where's the bigger base? Where's you know, if you want kids from that area, you know, you want the Macarthur area kids to have their own team. That they're not going to travel to Leichhardt. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean. So I just I just think we've either got to embrace our identity and get it right, or or just you know bugger off to Perth or something. You know, because it's just not going to work. <laughs> no, seriously. I think, you, like, I think you were going to go to Melbourne. I think you were going to go to the Central Coast at one point when you were Balmain. So like, it, Perth is not. But it's not beyond the realms of possibility they could have done that. But, um, yeah, uh, look, you know what, as a Parramatta fan, I and, and having, you know, Balmain as my second favourite team, I wasn't yep. fully against the uh, the Parramatta Tigers, but obviously a lot of Balmain fans probably were. Because... Well, Parramatta were very keen on that. And I was actually at the meeting where they did the vote for it. Yeah. And we, we were told on the night that, you know, if we voted for West, the, the team was going to be called the Western Tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we got these passionate speeches and, and people crying and, you know, we need our own team, blah, blah, blah. Little did we know at the time that North Sydney were in a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. And because with the criteria, I don't know if you remember, there was a criteria to yep. make those yep. super teams. And, and we worked out that we were going to be one team short. And West Magpies were, you know, no offence, they were just at the bottom of everything, bottom of crowds, bottom of, you know, results, yeah. uh, and and for quite a quite a fair bit of time. Not that we were that much better in the result part of it, um, and we just thought we had no choice but to, you know, but to merge with someone. And I remember Parramatta was super keen to have the Tigers emblem. Like I remember Steve Edge was just pushing it, and you know, Dennis Fitzgerald, and but yeah. we felt we felt as a group it was going to be more like a Parramatta takeover. Yeah. So it would have been like Brian Smith, the coach, and the majority of the players. And, and, I, and I kind of understood it because Parramatta, Balmain, that right eastward sort of Victoria Road belt, hmm. you know, it could, it could have worked well. But, like, West is such a big area that, geez, we've just had a stupid – we've had some stupid boards, seriously. Like, to win a premiership and just go backwards the way we did from 2005, we're just – you sound like a typical Tigers fan. <laughs> You're perfect, I am, mate. I, mate. It just disgusts me. Like, you know, there's no accountability with some of the people there. There's, there's people who have been on that board for many years, and I know they're not all, you know, footy smarts or anything like that. They might be just there to bring in sponsors or whatever. We've got a, mm-hmm. you know, CEO that I don't have much time for. I, th- I think he's just, you know, he just won't accept responsibility for a lot of bad decisions that have been done. And, 
you know, we've suffered for it, but he's still there. So anyway, hopefully, like we've done a few good things the last few months. So hopefully the tide's turning a little bit, but, you know, I'm a hard taskmaster. You know, if you rub me up the wrong way, it's very hard for me to forgive. Yeah, fair so, enough. So, you know, I, I want success. You know, and I don't want success all the time. Like, I'm a realist, but, you know, if you've been there since the end of 2015 or whatever it is, and you're a mm. CEO, and we're going into seven years, and, and your things aren't going right, just get out of there. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Like, uh, it's so, interesting you mentioned the, the mergers. I actually did a whole series, uh, would have been, was it last year? Maybe the year before. Might have been the year before, um, where I, I made a bunch of fans choose a different uh, merger partner than what they had. Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, I had a Balmain fan, and and they had to, they couldn't choose West, they had to choose someone else, um, and we got some very interesting mergers from some of these teams. Like I made every team merge basically in, in different okay. configurations, and it seemed like the the biggest merger partner that everyone wanted for West was Canterbury. Like everyone kept saying Canterbury and West, and I was expecting a lot of people to say Parramatta and Balmain, but we didn't get it. We got we didn't get one person saying Parramatta or Balmain like. To See, a lot, a lot of people would work that out in terms of, you know, the geographical sides of things. But to me, mm. it's, it's as simple as, like, colours. <laughs> you yeah. know, so we were, like, traditionally, Balmain meant to be gold and black, but it basically turned into orange and black, mm. you know, by the, by the time they finished. And I think, well, okay, well, what goes with those colours? So black can still go with white and we can have a bit of orange with it. Or, or even Parramatta's got that gold, so we could have gone with Parramatta because they've at least got one common colour. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's way. But, like, imagine trying to put blue and i don't know i've been canterbury and power space you put the white the white's a common color with canterbury and west but yeah yeah i, I probably would have been blue blue white and black i'd say but um yeah anyway we're getting way off topic to what we're going to talk about but uh, no no that's fine i just thought i'd mention that um that i did do that series and i, I probably will uh, talking about that whole criteria i did also have a discussion uh with someone about about criteria as well because i tried to figure out uh how that actual criteria worked because I don't know if you've ever looked into it, but there's not a lot of information about about who ranked where. I found I found an old page, like an old '90s style website, where you know, with the Australian flapping flag in the corner, you know, that sort of that sort of style yeah. of website, um, which yeah. had had like a, a list of where everyone was in the criteria. And I think it had been done after St George and Illawarra had merged, and yeah. it had it did have Balmain down near the bottom, and obviously it had West at the bottom. Um, yeah. But it had a few other clubs that did survive, like it had Penrith down pretty low. And they, they just lucked their way out of it. So, you know. Well, it's funny. Nor- Norse would have been there if they'd, they'd got a builder whose name escapes me right now. But that builder had absolutely destroyed the uh, Central Coast uh, ground they were doing at Gosford there, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, they were, that was meant to be a home ground for them. And then when it wasn't going to be ready on time, that just that just moved them down the list in terms of the criteria. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that, that, that pretty much sounds good. I, I can't believe North Sydney just basically fell apart because they got a dud builder. Well, it's as yeah, simple as and that. I, I've heard the I've heard the thing that they were told that uh, it was weather delays. So you know, like, exactly. I, exactly. I've they said to someone be, but... once, you know, if 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 I could do a what if of what if the weather was better in that season, like in that year, um, then maybe yeah. North Sydney survive. I may I may find a North Sydney fan to talk to about that. Um, North had a that. strong team. They had a, they had a great club. They had mm. you know, I mean, wasn't they didn't have the biggest crowd? Like, but they had a, a niche little home ground there, and I kind of feel like you do need a couple of teams, you know, north of the Harbour Bridge. So. Yeah, just kind of. I felt sorry for them to be honest. I don't like any team getting kicked out. You know, the Norses and the New Towns and what mm. have you. It's just not. It's just not a good feeling. Even the Balmain thing. It, t- it took me a couple of years to get to a West Tigers game. You know, like I was just really hurt about the whole thing. 
So. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've talked to some West fans as well who just went, no, nah, I gave up on... I, I wasn't going to support it because it was not even... I can't support half of a team, so they, yeah. they end up changing clubs. That's, that's what happened with a lot of them. But uh, either way, we'll, we'll get back to 1989. So uh, obviously, you know, you were talking about uh, your sort of memories of it. I, I think maybe just as a lead-up, maybe we can just have a quick chat about about Balmain in the few seasons before that because, I mean, 89 was, was maybe their best chance to win. But um, that team started to assemble themselves from probably the early to mid eighties. Um, yeah, that, some, that's correct. Some some that, really that's... great players, and, and and I mean, I think they were in were they in the eighty five or eighty six finals, I think, and and got uh, to... eighty five were in the second versus third qualifying final, yeah. which I, I, I could have done a moment on on that there as wanting to change a moment there because we had a a try disallowed that wasn't you know but ruled on a forward pass it wasn't a forward pass in extra mm. time against Canterbury yep. in nineteen eighty five but I remember that eighty five team that had a really good chance of winning the grand final but in that same qualifying match against Canterbury uh, Wayne Pearce uh, got a detached retina from a, an incident with Peter Kelly in the mm. first half so I think even if we'd have got through that game once Peter uh, like once Wayne Pearce was out for the year mm. back in that season because we didn't have as many star players. Um, you know, we obviously we got found out the following week when we played power and got belted. So, yeah. you know, Wayne Pierce was, you know, the captain and the inspiration. And, and I, th- I think he's often underrated. Like, you know, they, they, he, like Wayne actually sells himself short as just, you know, like a hard worker or whatever. He was a talented player. Yeah. He was a really talented player, had a great offload and workaholic in defense. And yeah, he, he was a game breaker. But, you know, that detached retina actually really hurt his career. He always had problems seeing out of that left eye. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the 89 grand final, there's a moment, you know, later on in the game that we'll probably talk about where Wayne Pierce drops the ball with Tim Brasher on his outside and the line wide open. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, oh, you dropped that ball. I'm like, mate, if I knew how bad his left eye was, you know, because <laughs> exactly. he, do, he does have blurred vision in that eye. So, yeah, yeah exactly. it just sucks. Well, I don't know. Like I said, I, I know that they were a team on a team that was building, and and obviously, you know, that that miracle run they had in 1988 to get to the grand final was was incredible. Um, but I think everyone, I think everyone felt in '88 that that was probably that grand final was just a game too far. But '89, I think, was their big chance. Um, but did, what did you think of of the '88 grand final? Did you think they were in with a big chance on that day? Well, I, I did. Um, you know, it seemed that year like we were we were going nowhere. We were probably sitting around eighth or ninth, and um, you know, we made the incredible signing of Ellery Hanley, who back in 1988, Peter Sterling had said he was the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that Balmain team that was sitting eighth or ninth, we had, you know, arguably like you know, I'm a little bit biased, I suppose, but arguably, you know, Gary Jack, best fullback in the world, Ross Conlon, best goal kicker in the world. Uh, Wayne Pierce, best lock in the world. Steve Roach, best prop in the world. Paul Sirenen, best second rower in the world. Benny Elias, best hooker in the world. We had a star-studded team, and we and we just couldn't go anywhere. But we added this Ellery Hanley, and then all of a sudden we just went on a run, and it just it, we just came from nowhere. We got into a playoff of fifth, and we made this unbelievable run to the grand final. And even in the grand final, when Ellery came off, we were leading the game. So, yeah. um, and that actually changed the course of the game too, because you know, uh, God rest. He sold the late Scotty Gale was brought onto the field when Ellery Hanley came on off, and uh, Scotty Gale was put in the centres. And from a scrum, you know, Andrew Farrah made a break and they scored a long range try. And you know, Scotty Gale's not a centre; he was just put there, you know, because yeah. he, he was the back reserve sort of thing. So, yeah, kind of changed the game. And Canterbury ended up winning comfortably that day. I think they won twenty four twelve and. I think it was actually 24-8 at one stage, and Bruce McGuire got a late consolation try. But, yeah, we'd had a good team in the early 80s. We made we made the playoffs in 83, 
Uh, 85, I thought, was a big chance to win it. We made them again in 86, 87, 88, 89. Mm-hmm. But back then, I don't know why they used to say this, David, but they used to say you had to lose one to win one. But yeah. there really weren't that many teams that lost one and then won one the next year, except Canterbury in 1979. They lost to St George and then they beat East in the 1980 grand final. But uh, we, we lost 88 and we thought 89 was the year. And yeah, yeah um, it's interesting to lose one to win one because I didn't know it was that far back. I, I thought that that might have come from the time just after the Brisbane two in a row because there was there was that period of time when, you know, like um, like Can- uh, well, Canterbury won one after losing one and Canberra won one after... Like, no, no, but you got you guys won three in a row, like 81 to 83. And yeah. then I think uh, Dogs in 84, 85. Yeah. Uh, I've, got, I've had a member, oh, and Parra in 86, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, then Canberra lost one in 87 to Manly, and then we mm. lost one to Canterbury in 88. So Canberra and the Tigers, Balmain, were coming off, you know, two years in a row of being the runners-up and mm. meeting in the grand final. And everyone looks at that Canberra team and says, you know, oh, look, they had a great team, but, like, the Tigers team was just as good. And I, I still think if we play them 10 times, you know, we win eight times out of 10. Yeah, we were the hottest of favourites. We think, were the hottest of favourites. I think, I think history looks at that Canberra side differently than what it was at the time. Because I think yeah, some of the guys who were in that Canberra side went on to, you know, went on to basically be in the nineteen, you know, ninety Canberra side and, and some of them into the ninety four Canberra side and, and that side that yeah. dominated the early part of the nineties, whereas the Balmain side was getting to the end of its run. Because as you said, Correct. like, you know, eighty three to eighty nine was kind of their run. This was yeah. their this was their big shot at the end of their run. I, obviously it kind of, you know, it started to some guys started to retire, you know, guys were getting a bit older and things like that. So I think you guys were getting to the end of your run, whereas Canberra were more at the start of their run. So, you know, it could have, if it went the other way and Balmain had won that game, I don't think it stops Canberra from winning, you know, the next year. I think they'll probably still win the next year and, and they just don't win the two in a row. That's probably what ends well, up Well, I'll tell you something about the 89 loss, uh, sorry, 88 loss. So when it was 24-8, I knew the game was gone. I didn't even see Bruce Maguire's... Um, consolation try, I went down to the dressing rooms because Keith Barnes had given me a pass to get into the dressing room. And I went and I stood outside the dressing room and I kid you not, this is just hilarious. Ellery Hanley's girlfriend was out there. Ellery Hanley comes out and she goes, you know, words to the effect of like, how are you, love? And he said, who are you? Like he didn't even recognise his girlfriend. That's how bad the concussion was that, yeah. he, that he got from Terry Lamb. But anyway, I went into the dressing room after the game and I was speaking to Wayne Pierce for a good three or four minutes and he, and he was really kind enough to give me his time. And I was probably a bit of an idiot for even trying to talk to him, you know. But, you know, I was like obviously heavily invested in the team and, and you know, loved the team. And he said to me, he goes, Rob, he goes, if we'd have won, uh, won today, he goes, I would have retired. Mm-hmm. So he said he, he said his knee was really bad and his eye wasn't great. And he only played that, you know, 89 in the hope of trying to win it again. And obviously after we lost 89, he went one more year in 1990. But, you know, we, we, we I think we made the finals and bombed out the first week. So, um, yeah, we were coming to an end. And, and yeah, a lot of things that people don't realise, like the, the rules changed in 1990. So yeah. um, we had unlimited inter- interchange in 1990. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that suited the Tigers. The Tigers were a little bit smaller in the backs and, you know, like we were, we, we were, our endurance was great. And I think, you know, like the Canberras and the Brisbane's and those guys, they had like really big 
players and, and like a lot of depth in those big players. Mm-hmm. So you just interchange at will where we had, you know, little blokes as well as, I don't know, I just I just think, like you said, it was coming to an end, but certainly the rule changes. Geez, I wish we had interchange year before, you know, we'll bring Steve Roach back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know I said I mean? to someone once, like I, I played, you know, I played junior football through that period and it feels like every single season the interchange rule and the juniors changed. Uh, yep. through that whole period and because yep. there was some unusual sort of rules and, and things that like it i remember at one point there was i think there were six people on a bench and two of them were reserves but the other four were interchanges or something it was ridiculous yeah it, all, it changed all the time and, and even I, like i stand corrected i mean i don't have any information or anything in front of me but i'm pretty yeah. sure back in the grand final of 89 we only had three reserves like and it had to be a straight out sub yeah, but definitely I remember, straight I, out subs, but I don't know if you had a limit on reserves. Like you might. No, have. I, I I don't know, but I remember like we had. I, I know Kevin Hardwick replaced Steve Roach. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Pobji coming on for someone. I don't know who, and I'm just trying to think. And I think Sean I think Edwards came on came, for Sirenden. I think he might have come. Yeah, for yeah and Sean Edwards came. Sean Edwards came on when when we were behind, and you know Sean Edwards was a, an unbelievable five eight for England, and he was a super creative player. Like had a lot of lot of game to him. So, but I don't remember any other guys being on the bench at the time but but back you know back when like hard we came on for Roche, like like warren ryan did that every game with 15 mm. minutes left like every game and people just go on about you know oh, why did he replace Roach? like he oh, look in hindsight of course he shouldn't have replaced Roach. like it, even yeah. the canberra people admit that sort of change, they felt better when steve roach came off the field but he'd done that every week that was his like his plan he used to do it all the time so uh what what irks me a lot is everyone says oh you lost the game when Ryan took Roach and Sirinan off. Sirinan was still on the field when John Ferguson scores the, you know, equalising yeah. try. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of minutes from the end, you see Sirinan around Ferguson's legs. Like, hmm. Sirinan came off after the game was about to be tied up. So, you know, it, I, I think the Roach substitution was huge, but it is what it is. Hey, we can't do much about that anyway. Um, all right. Well, look, I think that's that brings us up to to basically we, we started to talk about it. So. The, you have a very specific event that you want to you want to change, not just the result of the game because we can just say okay, you know, Bowman won, um, but there's a very specific incident. I think you said it was around the 55th minute. So do you want to give a quick description? And I might, as as a uh, former referee, I might try and see if I can add a little bit to this as well. All right, Dave. Well, I, well, hopefully you don't show my memory up being too biased. No, that's okay. That's <laughs> but, fine. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the score would have been 12-2 at the time. Uh, and it's roughly the 55th minute, give or take two or three minutes. And Bruce Maguire's uh, tackled. And he, and back in the day, which a lot of you know, younger rugby league followers wouldn't realise, is you could place the ball down in front of you, tap it and keep going, provided you didn't have a marker. Okay, so you could get up, get to your feet, put the ball in front of you, tap it with your foot like a like a twenty meter tap, and just and just play on, and it you know promoted faster football, etc. So Bruce Maguire does that, and he steps one way, and there's two Canberra players offside, and he steps one way, and I can't remember who he runs behind, but then he steps another way, and I think it might have been Brad Clyde that got impeded. I really don't know. I can't. I can't um, remember. I, I'm pretty I probably sure. Only had, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just have a quick look. I'm pretty sure that it's. I think it might be Steve Walters is the guy who's on the ground. So, so yeah, and there was Brad Clyde's there somewhere. I'm yeah, sure I think Brad Clyde's there as well. So, so basically, um, I just had a quick look at it. Uh, the it leads from a Canberra are, are trying to to do an attacking raid, um, and they do. I think it's Belcher makes a half break, tries to th- pop a pass, um, and and I. I mean, Gary Jack is is amazing in this in this instant just before this as well because basically he runs um, Belcher down, tackles him, 
and then stays yep. alive at the next um, tackle. And when Belcher tries to cut back inside to make a pass, he makes another tackle on him, and and that stop that pops the ball loose. Um, okay. And obviously, uh, Bellman get the ball back. Then uh, Maguire gets the ball from the next hit up, um, really good hit up. He goes basically makes a half what? break. And where is he? About thirty five out or something. About thirty five out or so. Yeah. He gets up to obviously to play the ball, and there's no markers because. Um, Meninga's at the point I've got. I've got Meninga's running backwards. I don't know who this other. I think, I think that might be Ricky Stewart who's who's got his back turned. But um, there's basically no marker. Um, so Maguire's like, well, there's no marker. And the the advantage in the old days was if there was no marker, you, you tapped the ball, and you went forward again. Um, you basically got you know a free was it was a five meter rule at that point. You got basically correct. Five, you got five meters of free territory, and and the game was all about getting as much territory as you could because correct. you're not. You're not going to get like like in nowadays. You're going to get you know 50, 60 meters in a in a set. In those days, yep. you weren't getting 50 or 60 meters. You if you could get an extra five, 10 meters out of something, you take it, and that was the whole point. So so he basically takes the tap, but um, Steve Walters gets up, but he's never square. So basically, what he does is he trots back very slowly with his arms in the air, um, and Maguire decides. I think what he's I think what he thinks is he's going to run to the left, but. But Walters is there, so he kind of and runs behind. He steps off his him. left, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he, he steps, steps off, off his, his left. left. That's right. Yeah. And when he steps off his left, he actually pushes uh, Walters and he pushes him into the other Canberra players, and that's when the penalty is given. So the the official ruling, which which is technically could be correct, is that he has used a player as an obstruction. So in the rule book of the time, and it's still kind of in there. I've never seen anyone call it this way ever after this point. Um, you can, like a defending player or play without the ball can be an obstruction as well. And if the if the player with the ball basically uses them as an obstruction, then it's the same as if he uses one of his own players. But Yeah, the, yeah David, I, I, I question that a little bit. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I've heard many times, even from Bill Harrigan quotes, hmm. that uh, Maguire was penalised because what he did was against the spirit of the game. Yes. And, and, and as you said, you've never seen that penalty since. The problem was back in 1989, you hadn't seen it in the previous 81 years of rugby league. Yeah. It's the one and only time. So so every fan can get the shits about any penalty, you know, because like refs are human, players make mistakes, refs make mistakes. That's fine. But when you make up a penalty, and the first the first act there are the players are offside. Hmm. That's the very first act. Well, they that's what I was about there. to say. Uh, they but, shouldn't be there. If you're yeah. lying in the play the ball, you get penalised for being in the ruck, or as you know as a Mate, I don't know if you've played any rugby league or whatever. Even mm-hmm. if you played, if even if you didn't play properly, you, when you're running back on side from the ruck, don't interfere with the ruck. Run away from the ruck. Yeah. Do not run back through the middle of the ruck. So the whole penalty, like it turned the game on its head. Canberra had done nothing, absolutely nothing. They they played a decent first half. I wouldn't say the Tigers were lucky to be twelve two ahead, but you know James Grant took an intercept. We scored one of the greatest rugby league tries ever on half time, which included a really lucky bounce from a kick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was a little bit of luck in our in our scores to get there to twelve, you know, to twelve points at half time. But to make up a penalty that doesn't exist, and the worst part is he justifies it to this day. He's yeah. still I I've seen him, you know, interviewed on the Matty Johns Sunday night show or whatever, and, and I just like, geez, I'd love to have a debate against you. <laughs> like I, I would just go one on one or I'd rip him to shreds. He he's just an egomaniac. He he's always an egomaniac. And I and I know it's gonna sound real bitter grace, but I actually think forget the eighty nine grand final later on, because he was lauded as one of the great referees of all time, mm-hmm. he ruined the game. We mm-hmm. had origin games where we had no penalties for thirty or forty minutes. 
and they say, oh, what a great game. There were no penalties. And, you know, the, the play the ball's disintegrated. We've got people that put the ball through their legs while they're lying on the ground. We get players offside all the time. Like, penalties are there for a reason, you know. Like, you don't want, you don't want you know, 30 penalties a game. But, you know, if you've got to have a little bit of control. And he was one of these refs that just uh, let the players sort of, sorted out and you know there's no rules and i just hated his style and you know he's also the sort of guy too he he could have games where there were 13 on 10 mm-hmm. you know and and yeah. um you know if you, you spoke back to him like he just took it too harshly i don't know i just i just never liked the bloke no, and obviously enough, after look, that he's preaching the converted here i also have the same problems but what I, what the point i was going to make is that technicality wise you could you could still argue that that's a penalty right but exactly what you said the first indiscretion is an offside Correct. So no matter what happens, no matter if he does the wrong thing and he uses, it, it, there's no double negatives in in refereeing. Basically, if there is, if there is a an indiscretion by one team, unless the indiscretion is a less thing. So so if if say he picked the ball up and he dropped the ball, but but as he dropped the ball, someone head hide him, then then Balmain will get a penalty because that's a bigger indiscretion, right? Even though the yeah. drop ball happens first. But if they're yeah. both penalties, they don't. One doesn't just cancel because there's a second one that happens afterwards. It's the first thing. Um, and look, like I said, I, I was a junior referee and I was taught that. That's basically the way it works. But I never know in the referees' ranks. And, and I'm not going to name any names because some of them became NRL referees. But I did referee with some guys in the juniors. And yeah. there is this, I want to be smarter than everyone else on the field feeling yeah. about some of them. And that's yeah. the way that I think Harrigan was. That he wanted to show how much smarter he was than everyone else on the field. Oh, he was, he was nicknamed Hollywood Harrigan. Like, he yeah. just, you know, he just loved the limelight. You know, he's, he had his hair all done up before the game and he prided himself on, you know, running. You know, if someone made a runaway try, you could see Harrigan running just as fast as a support player. Mm. You know, he was, a, he was a fit bloke. And, you know, look, he, he knew how to ref. I just think he was one of these guys where he just like, you know, playing with things a little bit. I don't know. He, I'll like, put it this way if that, if that penalty doesn't get called, I believe. Balmain win the comp, and I also believe it's gone down as one of the most boring grand finals in history, too. <laughs> you know, the game, <laughs> it the, could the well game might be. ended up 18-8 or something like that, and no one, you know, like, how many other grand finals around that time do we talk about that were brilliant? I mean, I, I guess the Canberra-Penrith ones were pretty close, both of them, mm. but, you know, the, the Brisbane ones were one-sided against the George, and, you know, no one talks much about the Manly-Canberra grand final. That was pretty one-sided, and I just feel like this would have been another one of those types of grand finals. It just would have been a, a boring one and Balmain deserved to win it. But as a supporter for me, the worst part for that is I feel like within two years, the club had just fallen apart. You know, mm. we, we got a we got a, a media personality who coached rugby union to coach our team. It was like like hiring Ted Lasso <laughs> you know, to, to hire your team in, in Alan Jones. And and then ten years later the club didn't exist. So yeah. as a Balmain fan, I say to myself, hey, if we'd have won the comp that year, like you know, where would we be? Would we would we still exist as as a separate entity? Like, would it have changed things? Like, so it's not just a game where you just lost the grand final. You say, oh, you know, someone will say, oh, you know, Rob Bashar, you know, suck it up, mate, move on, get over it. It, mm-hmm. it changed the course of the club. Well, like, it really <laughs> did. I mean, think about it. So, so we what we what we're going to say is that that he doesn't give the, he gives the penalty the correct way, the way that yep. anyone in their right mind would give. Whereas there's an offside player, and obviously yep. Balmain kicked down field, so it's about thirty five out. They're on attack again. I don't know yep. if they go and score at that point, but they're back on attack again. So the the major thing that changes in this whole thing is it t- turns the whole flip. Basically, like they say in the NFL, it flips the field. Because, yes, correct. Because, you know, basically it would have been Balmain attacking on Canberra's line instead it was the other way around. 
and, 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 and also takes school. a few minutes off the clock too, David. It also yeah. takes a few more minutes off the clock. Yeah, they could be further away. You know, Canberra might have pushed a few more passes in their own half that they might not have normally done. Yeah. Um, don't forget too, the Tigers did get a penalty goal later on. So I'm, I, I'm pre- I don't know if it was the next set, but I feel like Belcher scored two sets after that penalty, but I could be wrong. So yeah. I got back to 12-8, but then the Tigers got a penalty goal later on and yep. extended it to 14-8. Yep. And, you know, there's so many ifs and buts. I mean, you know, everyone knows about the Meninga ankle tap on Michael Neal, and I mentioned earlier about the Pierce dropping the ball with Brasher and, you know, an unmarked, I think, James Grant on his right as well. Like, he, mm. he dropped the ball open there. And there's even a moment, I still remember, no one talks about it much, but there was a, a bomb that came down not far from where Maguire taps that ball forward later on in the day. Mm. Uh, in the game and Michael Neal falls on it yeah. and and I'm thinking great we've got the ball back and suddenly Canberra's got the ball and I feel like it was just ripped on him after because Michael Neal's only a small bloke yeah. I feel like someone stole the ball off him after he already had the ball yeah and and then there's you know uh you know Andy what's his name Courier jumping up with Gary Jack for the bomb like that's a fullback's ball you don't jump up at the same time as the fullback and yeah. that ball goes loose and that's how Ferguson scores there's so many ifs and and buts. Oh, we had we had chances to win. You know, Benny Elias could have kicked that field goal, which everyone yep. talks about. So yep. there's a lot more moments after that 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 ice it. But even like I said to you, the interchange, like if the interchange rule was from 1990, was back in 1989. Steve Roach comes back on the field. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So there's there's so many what if moments there, and and then you look at what happened after they won that grand final, and many years down the track. So obviously Tim Sheens was regarded as a great coach, and then you know Ricky Stewart became a coach, Mal Meninga became a coach, mm. uh, Bellamy, who was mainly lower grader, became a coach, and you start wondering, you know, who from the Tigers? Like, okay, Wayne Pierce coached for a bit, but maybe there would have been four or five Tiger players that became NRL head coaches. Could have you been, know? yeah. There could have been, like, I mean, Warren Ryan had won a, you know, a couple of premierships with Canterbury, and if he'd have done the same here, and maybe we would have had more players come to the Tigers in the following year. And look, there's so many what if moments, but I, I just can't get over a penalty that was called once in the last 114 years. Yeah, no, exactly. Just, and I mean, just... and I mean, this is the thing, right? So you know, 1989 happens, and obviously, you know, this is a heartbreak, and it, you know, you don't, you don't get the, you don't get the win, and then you know. You've got you get Warren Ryan does come back in 1990, um, but soon after it kind of you know it sort of sours you know like you said and Alan Jones gets appointed as coach. I think that if Warren Ryan wins the Grand Final in '89, no matter what happens in '90, I think he probably sticks around for maybe '91 or '92. Um, I, I or, think he does. Or you, get, or you get a different coach that's probably you know like basically I feel like they had their big chance to win it in '89. And yep. they don't get the win, and then ninety doesn't go the way they thought it would. So they think, oh, let's think outside the square. We'll put someone else in charge, and obviously they put Alan Jones in charge. And I think that's really what ruins the the Balmain not in the nineties. Like that's, you know, I've well, heard like the I stories say, of what happened. You know, I, I don't, I don't have, you know, like obviously figures and names and what have you in front of me. But I know back then we had a lot of depth in reserve grade. I stand corrected, but I feel like Graham Murray might have been the reserve grade coach. Mm. Um, there was no need to look outside the square. I actually think it was Ben Elias that uh, poached Alan Jones and got him involved in the club and what have you. And I, I remember, you know, Gary Jack saying, you know, the guy didn't know if number one or number 15 was fullback, <laughs> you know. So, so, you know, like, I don't think he got on very well. And, you know, he alienated Gary Freeman, who who left the club. And I think the following year or two, Gary Freeman won the Dally M with the Roosters. 
You know, he was yep. still playing great football. So we, we lost a lot of depth when, you know, as Warren Ryan said, he goes, he goes, I've squeezed all the orange out of the jersey. Like, I think that was his, his term at the time. So he, he felt like he couldn't do any more with the club. But I think there was a little bit of finger pointing over, you know, Steve Roach coming off. And, you know, a lot of people forget too, Steve Roach was suspended in the playoff for fifth the year before. And, and Balmain had tried to do everything to get him back into the grand final against Canterbury. So Steve Roach not being there sort of twice really hurt. Balmain's chances. I don't think people give him credit for what a wonderful prop he was. He was a really great player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so. I, and I and I totally support you. So I think in uh, win in '89, and you probably like yeah, you probably have a Warren Ryan with succession plan because you know the thing about Warren Ryan is he's a polarizing figure as well. You know, like people yeah. he gets off slow with people. So I don't think he's going to last for that much longer. But with a premiership under his belt in the last year. I don't think they decide to move on so quickly. And if they do, I think that maybe he kind of says, well, I'll move on, but, you know, this is the guy you've got to get in here. And I, yeah. I don't know. I, I tried to have a look. I couldn't figure out uh, if it was Graham Murray or not. But, you know, I, I'm presuming that they could have found a coach that was, you know, someone who wasn't an ex-rugby coach anyway. Yeah, no, just Rugby like I say, and as as a supporter too, you know, like I said, my so just a little sidetrack, but you know, my my dad migrated to Australia in the in the early fifties, like he was from Lebanon, and um, he went back to visit his family, and I was only like a little little boy at the time, and I went with him, obviously with him and my mum. We went back to Lebanon in nineteen sixty nine to visit his parents, and sure enough. Balmain won the premiership in 1969 while he was overseas and he never saw it. Um, so my dream was always to see Balmain win a premiership, especially after my dad passed away. Mm. So he, it just really had a lot of, you know, like those 80s. It was just so, like, I just wanted to win a premiership. It was just like, am I ever going to see a premiership? So 2005 was wonderful. Um, and as wonderful as it is, it, 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 I think, to, you know, 89 would have meant more or even 88. Um, so yeah, it just it just meant a lot to me, and, and especially like Dad having known some of those players really well, like you know Gary Jack, Steve Roach, Wayne Pearce. They all speak really fondly of Dad to this day. So yeah, yeah it just it just had a lot of meaning, and and you know I had a bean my bonnet about it. I'm not exaggerating, David. I probably had nightmares for five years, and that's <laughs> that's not exaggerating. I did not go to bed without thinking about it. Like I wasn't a miserable person or anything, but I'm just like. Why I, I couldn't watch the game. I, mm -hmm. I watched the game accidentally when I was in a pub, I think in about 1996. Yep. And I just forced myself to watch the second half. I just said, "Be a man and just suck it up and watch it." Yep. And yeah, it just it just hurt like all those near misses. They were just. Yeah, I feel it, like yeah. we have a kindred spirit with. I mean, I I have so many of these games as Parramatta fan and that as a Parramatta fan. So I feel like I feel like I can kind of. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, were, were you games. around when the 80, 80s, like the premierships you guys won in the early 80s and 86? I was 6 and 86. Okay. So I don't remember the games. Like I, I remember us being, I, I remember being a little kid and, and Parramatta were a good team. That's yeah. all I, and, then, and then I was told Parramatta was a good team and then they weren't, which made no sense to me. I couldn't figure this out because basically I was sort of told, oh, look, you know, this is, a, this is one of the greatest clubs of the 80s and it's like, you know, 88, and I'm watching this team play, and I'm like, they were okay. And I'm like, I'll tell you, this guy called Peter Sterling's pretty good. Um, yeah. But the rest of them, I don't, you know, maybe not as good as, as they should be. But, you know, I mean, that's that's the kind of memories I've got because I don't remember things from that early on. But I do remember the, the 90s near misses and then the early 2000s near misses and then, 
you know. Well, it's you're just... lucky you weren't around for the 70s near misses because no. he should have won the 76 grand final. Neville Glover dropped a couple of balls yeah. on the right wing. I don't oh, know well, if you've ever I, seen those. I have done that one before, and I've watched that. You know, that, that grand final is actually on YouTube. I didn't realise it. Really? Yeah, it's on YouTube. So if anyone wants to watch the 1976 grand final, it's there on full. I think someone's taped it off the TV and put it up on YouTube because it's a bit of a, it looks like a bit of a tape. Um, but it's it's incredible to watch that game because it doesn't even look like rugby league. Like if you're a modern, if you're a person of my age and you yep. watch that game, you're like, what's going on? Like it, they get to the sixth tackle and someone gets held on the sixth tackle and a scrum forms, and you're like, yeah, oh, it's a, okay. But even, even if you watch, um, like I don't know if you you know watch any of the old grand finals that Fox put on TV. Obviously, every time I see the 1981. A 1989 grand final, I change a channel. But, <laughs> yep. but, I, but I watched the Knights beating Manly. Yeah. And I remember watching the second half. And I just remember, like, literally at one stage, there were eight sets in a row where they dropped a ball. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, that would never happen in the modern day era. Like, they were just throwing the ball around like it was hot potato. And I'm thinking, well, that wasn't that long ago. Like, it's, I mean, it is now, I suppose, 25 years ago. It but, is. Yeah. You know, the, the game changes. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want that year of the 80s or even the 70s and early 90s, I wouldn't want them to be, like, we're a lot smarter now in how we play. It's all about time management, you know, game management, possession. Yeah. It's a different game. Uh, it's a completely field, different game. Field position. position. Like, you, you wouldn't see yeah. the, you know, Scotty Gale double chip over the top, you know, or the Phil Blake chip over the top tries or, or you know, trying something on the second tackle. It's just like, well, yeah. what did you do that for? Like, even that 89 grand final, if you go to extra time, I don't know if you remember, but Gary Jack wore a cast on his arm at the time because uh, he'd broken it the year before. And Canberra put a kick downfield. I'm not sure who it was. It might have been Ricky Stewart, but it doesn't really matter now. But Gary Jack just dropped the ball cold. Like yep. Gary Jack just doesn't drop passes like that. And Canberra got a scrum in the first period of extra time. I'm guessing roughly 25 to 30 metres out from the Balmain line. And on the very first tackle, they passed the ball to Chris O'Sullivan, mm. who kicks a field goal from 30 out. Yeah. Now imagine, imagine he misses that field goal. Yeah. You say, "What are you doing, you idiot?" It's it's like the eighty fifth minute. You know, Balmain are buggered. You got the ball on the, a zero tackle. Yeah. And you've gone for a field goal thirty meters out. Like, why not take a few hit ups and get ten meters out and kick a field goal? Or it just it just wasn't meant to be, mate. It just no, wasn't meant to no, be. There's so many. Well, that, that's the thing. But what I was gonna yeah, what I was saying about the the seventy six one and the way the game's changed is when when you watch that game, it's it's amazing how much is just like scoots from dummy half and guy like guys all in different positions and like it, nothing was done the same way as it's done now. But the the part about that seventy six grand final is fair enough. You know Neville Glover drops the ball, but there's a section like that's still probably 10, 15 minutes from time. So Correct. it's not it's not right at the end of the game. Like it's, it's not like the last play. And there's another section where Ray Higgs goes through clean break and he's got yep. the he's got the line in front of him. And yeah. uh, and the center, I think it's Mark Levy's the center who who actually runs a line back inside, and yeah. and instead of instead of looking either way, Higgs tries to take the fullback on and oh, gets gosh. tackled a meter short, right? But I don't if he, that. Yeah. yeah, if he if he just if he actually notices the center come cut back inside, passes the ball to him, he goes in under the posts. And I think, yeah. and that's probably five minutes from time. So I think Parramatta wins yeah. that grand final. If that happens, and, but, and the following year, Cronin misses a conversion attempt from yeah, out wide, that, exactly. that with not much time left at all. It might have been two minutes left on the clock. I can't yeah. remember. So and then, it, I mean, yeah. we both have we both have clubs that have you know long-standing pain and anguish. So you know, I understand exactly what you're saying. But, Correct. Uh, yeah, def, def, definitely hurts. Definitely hurts. But yeah, that that yeah. that penalty should never have happened. And um, no. Yeah, it, it, it kind of it's it's gonna like haunt me till I die. But <laughs> well, the good news for you, Rob, 
yep. is that in the hypothetic world, that penalty doesn't happen. The arm yep. gets pointed the other way. Balmain wins 89. I don't know if they win anything else. They probably don't. They probably just win 89. But that's that's good enough. And, you know, Wayne Pearce retires a champion. And, and we I, live happily ever after. Yeah, I mean, you, you can imagine <laughs> Grand Final Day. He's, he's there holding up the, the Winfield Cup. And, you know, the, the tears going out of one good eye. And, and maybe David, I don't know if it's your other. group or not, but someone put a meme up about a month ago. And it's got the Tigers winning the 89 Grand Final with a different scoreline. And I just... I can't explain it. I just like teared up a little bit. I looked at it and I just wanted to believe it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Someone put it on about, it might have been a different scoreline. I can't remember. It might have been 15-14 or something. Benny's kicked the field goal mm. or whatever it was. But yeah, just it's just a case of what could have been. But oh, it's just sad what happened to the club afterwards, that's all. But, yeah, you know, now we now we live in the hope of the West Tigers and, and hope they make the semi-final sometime in the next few years. Oh, look, it'll happen. Look, I went through a period, and I wasn't. I know it wasn't as long, but I went through a period of seven years of Parramatta recently. So, you know, we we sort of turned ourselves around. I mean, we we basically decided to cheat a salary cap to try and do it, but um, yep. we eventually we eventually uh, you know got there, and you know they've been good for the last few years, so they're on an up scale. So yeah. I think the Tigers, you know, they've got a few guys coming in in twenty twenty three. So even if this year they don't quite get there. You know, I think there'll be a there'll be a finals team in the next couple of years at least. So, well, you guys are top four this year, so in my opinion, anyway. So, I think I think your window is really this year. No offense. Well, we've got nothing else. This is players. it. It's, yeah, you're it's losing all about a few this players. Year. Yeah. Exactly. You're losing your hooker. You're losing Papa Lee to us, and I'm, I think someone else might have signed with the Warriors. I can't think of who it you're is. You're losing near Corey. Um, yeah, near Corey. Yeah. I think, so. I think Oregon Fusi, one of the backup. A lot of the younger guys, Ray Stone's going to the the Dolphins. Like a lot of yeah. backup guys, but um, yeah, yeah, they are. I think the major one is is um, Reed Marty going. Reed Marty, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a huge loss. He's, he played so well last year until he got injured. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's part of. I mean, that's probably one. I, I don't generally do anything from the season before um, or yep. the last few seasons, but I think uh, if I continue to do this podcast the next five years, I think that. Um, that injury to Reed Miney might end up coming up as one of my hypotheticals eventually. Well, I, I look forward to listening to a few more of your podcasts, mate. But um, it, this has been a slight, as much as I've enjoyed it. It's slightly painful to to think about the '89 game again. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's some, but it's, it's always good to talk about the great Balmain, Balmain sides of the '80s because they don't because they never won that grand final. They never won anything in that period. They don't get mentioned. Um, but when you look at their actual record, like you said, you know, they made the finals in 83, 85, 86, 87, 88, and 89. Like and 92. I think 90, 90 yeah. I stand corrected, we lost to Manly maybe in the first playoff match. I can't remember, but yeah. I was overseas on my honeymoon, so oh, that's fair I, 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 I bailed out at the time. <laughs> but, if you, but if you're thinking about it, like, you know, in, in, terms of, in terms of a team that dominates in the 80s, I don't know many other clubs that made that many final series. Oh, we had a wonderful run. The summers, those semi-finals we won were just magical and, and you know, they were, there are more great memories and we won a couple of midweek competitions as well. So, mm. we, we were a force back then, like, you know, even prior to Warren Ryan, we had Frank Stanton as a coach and what have you. So, we had some really good coaches. I think it was one year Bill Anderson was coach. We lost to South in the first playoff match from memory at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Mm. I remember being devastated. Don't, don't like losing to South. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, look, they were great times. And, and especially for me, like, I was born in 65, so I don't remember 69. Obviously, I was overseas. But the only Balmain I ever knew was a team that just came last or second last and in the early 70s. And, and mum and dad used to tell me I used to cry at halftime with a big sook, as, mm-hmm. as probably all the listeners can tell now, with the way I'm going on about 89. And <laughs> no. I just never knew any any success. And, and I think we missed the playoffs with, I think we had a three-way playoff where you played a playoff game on Tuesday and then Thursday. And 
We yep. lost to Parramatta maybe one year in yeah. might have been seventy four or seventy five, and then we made the finals in seventy seven. And literally, so it was only like twice we'd made the semis that I'd recalled, and then we didn't make the semis again until the year my father passed away mm. um, in eighty three. So I'd really hardly seen any success. So you know, we went from just having nothing, and, and there's something good about when you follow a team and you've just been drowned of success, or, or you're starved, I should say, of success, yeah. and then you get that success. Yeah. It's just better. To, like, like for example, if you became a Rooster supporter three or four years ago, well, you only know good times. You don't know bad times. But as Balmain fans, we suffered. <laughs> we suffered. As, I suffered. I got picked on so hard at school and, you know, suck shit, you lost again and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I'd really be defensive of the Balmain team. And then when they came good, I was giving it back, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, the, the, the good thing was we still we still celebrated, you know, even after we lost both those grand finals. If you saw what Balmain League's club was like, we, we, were, we were off our face. We were just cheering and it was like we'd won the comp. We didn't, you know, we trying to lift the boys, but they were devastated, absolutely devastated. And they deserve better. They're all champions in my eyes. Yeah, and look, I think I think it's understandable lose one to win one, and maybe they should have maybe they should have won one, and maybe I mean Canberra gets to win the year after anyway, so you know don't be greedy, Canberra, give down one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Share it around a bit, eh? <laughs> Share it around. I mean, I think we I think if we can all just take a vote and everyone wins one every sixteen years, I think yep. we'll all be really happy. It would be nice, but the way the way everything's set up now, like we're, we're supposed to have a salary cap that keeps everything in play, but unfortunately, the the third party agreements I think have just made the game a bit of a farce. Oh look, I don't you know, care how how even the salary cap is. I know my team, and I know that we couldn't win it. I think if it was our turn to win, we just wouldn't turn up. So you'll be right, mate. No, you're gonna you're gonna have a good you're gonna have a good crack this year. I'm tipping South to win this year as long as Latrell stays off on the field. I should say, but. Um, yeah, I think Paris certainties for top four. Like, unless you've got a stack of injuries. Yeah, you know. well, that's probably what's going to happen. I, I feel like this is. I've said it to another Parramatta fan uh, when I was recording with him earlier, and I, like it feels like this could be the year. But then, I felt this way before, and every time I felt this way before, it's it's not turned out. So yeah, yeah, you know, you know what I think, David. Like, just if you don't mind me saying this, I just think you know, as someone who loves rugby league and loves you know, sort of analysing other teams and how they play and whatever. When Parramatta play rugby league, like, I mean, actually, like, attack, they're really, they're just hard to stop. You've got so many guys that can create second phase play and what have you. And, and I find as a as a rugby league fan, when I watch Brad Arthur teams in semifinals, he just locks it up. You just yeah. play too conservative. And I know they're big games and all this sort of stuff. You've got so much flair. you got, you know, you got good attacking halves. you got, you know, good, you know, uh, Clint Gutherson plays well. you got all these big boppers that can offload mm. a good, you know, and I just feel like, you, like even those games you won, you know, like in the semis this year, or sorry, 2021, mm. you got through a couple of games, but I'm just thinking, like, you could have won those so much easier. Like, why do you make it hard for yourself? Like, play footy. Yeah, You're hard to know. stop. You know, oh, but but anyway, but I, I guess Brad Arthur gets paid to do that, and uh, we well, just get to sit yeah, back in the lounge room and be experts, don't we? In Brad, we trust us Parramatta fans, and we've, you know, we'll see how much long we trust him for. But uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see whether the the good sentiment of 2016 is is going to stick around for much longer. Because <laughs> we shall see. Um, Fair enough. I, I think I think we've got to our natural conclusion. We start to talk about modern football, so we've obviously okay. gone far enough into the future. Yeah, yeah um, we can't be talking real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> look, you know, look. Congratulations on winning in 1989, there, Rob. Um, I'm sure that you'd be celebrating long into the night, um, and I'm sure, like I said, you know, you get a, a retirement party for for Junior Pierce. Um, yep. You know, I'd, I'd, and I imagine the other guys wouldn't have retired. I think they would have stuck around for another year or so. But um, you know, it would have been would have been interesting to see what happened coaching wise, and you know, if they would have attracted a few more guys to the club. 
And like you said, maybe they would have been in a better position when the all the mergers came around. So yeah, we we might still have Valmain Leagues Club, hundred percent. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, we can only we can only just hypothesise what we think may have happened, but uh, yeah, definitely, you know that that penalty was one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Like I said, uh, you know, being a, a referee in the in the junior districts, that is talked about. A few guys have talked about that a few times, and and of course, a lot of the guys who love Bill Harrigan will defend him. And a few of the guys that don't like him will go, that was a stupid call. But, um, you know, basically, it, I've never seen that penalty given. I, I've watched, I, I've refereed all the junior games and never seen that penalty. So, you know, I, I don't really think that's a, that's a, that's really one, what should have been called. But um, we live with it and uh, I suppose we've got to move on. Exactly. Lovely talking to you, David. All right. Thanks, Rob. Talk to you later. All the best.